A family friend of ours tells the following story. He had purchased a new home. It was kind of a dream home because it was big enough for his family and more. He could actually invite his grandfather to come live with them for a while because he loved his grandfather. He had been raised by his grandfather. They'd even converted the back screened-in porch. They had made it a sunroom so that grandfather could sit out there and enjoy the sun and uh, be warm and cozy no matter what the weather was outside. Soon, this sunroom became even more. It was the family gathering place. It's where everybody went to talk about the day, to sit and to share. But returning home one day, he went out to the sunroom, checking on grandfather, seeing how everything was, and he noticed something. He went over to the window, and there was a hole in the window. And being a country boy, he recognized this hole. This was not an ordinary hole. This was a bullet hole. What happened? He turned to grandfather and he said, Grandfather, what happened? You were here all day. Did you hear anything? Did you notice anything? And grandfather said, No, I didn't hear a thing. Maybe I was sleeping. I don't know. Well, I mean... Finding a hole, a bullet hole in your house is an upsetting thing. I mean, what was it? Was it neighbors? Was it street kids? Was it, um, I mean, they thought they were in a good neighborhood. They thought they had security here. Um, maybe they needed a bigger fence. Maybe it was speculation. Every night they would sit around and they would talk about this and he would become more and more worried about what he was going to do about this. And you know how sometimes when you have an event, it becomes a family topic every night. You're talking about this. So they're sitting in the sunroom every night. What happened? What will happen next? Will it happen again? Should I worry about the safety? I'm so glad no one was hurt. Well, about a week later, he was speculating again. What happened? I don't understand. And finally, his grandfather stood up. He says, okay, I shot a squirrel. Now kick me out. He stood up slowly. He walked over next to his grandfather. Stood very close, face to face. He said, grandfather, don't you understand? You can break every window in this house. You can break this table here, that vase there. You can break every piece of china we have. You are family. You belong here with us. As we think about this story, I want to ask a question today. To start us off, what is the difference between mercy and grace? I have a definition here. And one thing I might suggest is we're going to give out a lot of text today. You might want to have your pen because I'm not going to read the text. 
but I would like you to go home later today and study because I believe that our study today is extremely important. Mercy and grace are often confused. While it seems the terms have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same. To summarize the difference, mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve, and grace is God's blessing us despite the fact we do not deserve it. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending kindness to the unworthy. When we start looking in the Bible, we see, of course, that all of sin we start reading in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, Romans 3, 23, and 1 John 1, 8, that we have all sinned. We are all sinners. And as a result of sin, we are deserving of death, as found in Romans 6, 23. And eternal judgment in that lake of fire, Revelation 20, verses 12 to 15. With that in mind, every day as we live is an act of of God's mercy. If God gave us all that we deserve, we would be right now condemned for eternity. In Psalms 51 verses 1 and 2, we see David crying out, Oh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wipe away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. A plea to God for mercy is asking him to withhold judgment we deserve and instead grant us forgiveness we have in no way earned. We deserve nothing from God. God does not owe us anything. Anything good that we experience is a result of grace of God. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Grace is simply defined as unmerited favor. God favors or gives us good things that we do not deserve or could ever earn. Rescued from judgment by God's mercy, grace is everything, and everything we receive beyond that is mercy. Romans 3.24 Common grace refers to the sovereign grace which God bestows on all mankind, regardless of their spiritual standing before him. While saving grace is that special dispensation of grace whereby God's sovereignty bestows unmerited divine assistance upon his elected for their regeneration and sanctification. Mercy and grace are best illustrated in the salvation that is available through Jesus Christ. We deserve judgment. But if we received Christ as our Savior, we receive mercy from God and we are delivered from judgment. Instead of judgment, we receive by grace salvation, forgiveness from sins, abundant life as found in John 10.10. 10. And in eternity in heaven, the most wonderful place imaginable, Revelations chapter 21 and 22. Because of the mercy and grace of God, our, responsible, our response should be to fall on our knees in worship 
and thanksgiving. Hebrews 4.16 declares, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Today I want to spend the time remaining on defining this mercy, this word mercy. The withholding of judgment from the illustration that we read about this morning. God's mercy is a monumental theme in Scripture. The English word appears 341 times in the Bible. There are four Hebrew words and three Greek words that are associated with this term. And they appear 454 times. There are many different translations of mercy. It is translated as kindness, loving kindness, goodness, favor, compassion, and pity. Of the 66 books in the Bible, only 16 do not use any of these words for mercy. Even though mercy is an important concept, it is somewhat difficult to prescribe a definition. Essentially, since grace is, a clo is closely associated with it. In Psalms 136, we repeat this theme, for his mercy endureth forever. Each of the 26 verses listing incomparable aspects of God's kindness to us. As we begin the, the, the season, this, this fall season, which we associate with thanksgiving for the abundance, with the celebration of God's love and bounty and provision for us, both physical and spiritual, join me in refreshing our knowledge of His mercy. We as a church are planning a special October. We have many things planned for that month. So much we stuffed it so full it's hard to get everything in. But that's a wonderful thing and occasion. We are going to have a men's ministries. We're going to have a week of prayer. We're going to have so much that I am looking forward to. And I want today... To start that celebration, that renewal of spirit that is needed so much in all of us. When we look at this, we see in mercy that God is good. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Psalms 145, verse 9. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee desires of your heart. Psalms 37, 4. In mercy we see that God is above all and sovereign. Who is a God like unto thee that pardon iniquity because he delights in mercy? He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. 
and you will cast out their sins into the depths of the sea. Micah 7, 18 and 19. The mercy of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. His righteousness unto the children's children. Psalms 103, 17. Because he is the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God in 1 Timothy 1.17. And he is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, 1 Timothy 6.15. We should therefore give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 136.3. The mercy of God is shown in his great wonders. The creation of the universe stands out among all religions of the world as a unique and image to God in the Bible. It distinguishes all the principalities and powers of this universe from the one who created the heavens and the earth in 1 Corinthians 8. 5 through 6. We cannot even understand the triune nature of God apart from what he has revealed of himself in his creation. Romans 1.20. The very gospel of God has its everlasting foundation in creation. Revelation 14.6 through 7. God's signature is written throughout the universe, so much so that he used the evidence of his design and authority integrated into the ecosystem of the earth to prove his deity to his servant Job, which we read about in Job's chapter 39 and 40. We do well to honor him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 136.4 This great mercy that God is showing, this powerful mercy is also shown in God is a great deliverer. The Exodus, this wonderful story that we find in our Bibles, the Exodus of the nation of Israel from Egypt still stands as one of the most intriguing and awe-inspiring events of history. Even that word means so much to us, just the word Exodus. Nothing in the annals of human events comes close to that intervention when God says, I am that I am. He was, he is, he always will be. And he is in the affairs of all nations. God came down to deliver in Exodus 3.8 and to display his signs and wonders, Exodus 7.3. Against all the gods of Egypt, Exodus 12, 12. Never before or since has God taken him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by the mighty hand, and by the outstretched arm, and the great terrors. We see this in Deuteronomy 4, 34. When we look in the context of the New Testament, our God has delivered us from the powers of Satan in Acts 26.18 and of darkness in Corinthians 1.13 into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 
We have been set free from the law of sin, Romans 8.2. And this will prevent the evil, the prevent the presence of the evil world, Galatians 1.4. To the glorious liberty of the children of God, Romans 8.21. The same God who overthrew Pharaoh is the Savior who will deliver the godly out of temptations, 2 Peter 2.9. And from every evil work, 2 Timothy 4.18. And has given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you may yet be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, 2 Peter 1-4. This mercy, this great mercy of God is shown also in God the provider. There are three specific examples given in Psalms 136. It's an amazing chapter in Psalms and I recommend that you read it again this afternoon. It shows of God's sovereign provision. He protects and shelters during the wilderness. He makes possible great victories over enemies. He gives food to all flesh. The details of God's provision and the many examples in the scripture are inexhaustible. Yet in these three areas we find hope for any situation in the time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Were it not for the promises of deliverance from our enemies, so replete through the scriptures, were it not for this hope that we have that we would see deliverance in the land of the living, Psalms 27, 13. And were it not for the confident knowledge that evildoers will be cut off, Psalms 37, 9. We would be in constant fear and torment. God does promise to bring us victory. We are told he will fight for us. We are not left to our own devices. Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Finally, while we are never to take God's provision for granted, we always ask, Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11. We need to be reminded that the mercy of God extends far beyond the care of his own. He maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. Matthew 5.45 God is the God of the whole earth. Isaiah 54.5 we are often caught up in trying to make provisions for a rainy day or saving for in the future that is unknowable and unsecured. But God knows that we have need of all things in Matthew 6.32. Whatever our circumstances may be, God knows, understands, and will make sure that his mercy endures forever. There is the scene in a house of a small boy getting up before his parents got up. And he sneaks into the kitchen. 
he's going to make something special for his parents. He's going to make pancakes. So he goes into the pantry and he gets the flour. And when little boys carry flour, it doesn't necessarily get carried all the way to the counter. There's probably a trail of it. He goes to the refrigerator and gets milk. He tries to pour out a cup, but uh, some of it spills. He gets a little bit of oil. He's not exactly sure how much he's supposed to use of this stuff, but, well, some of that spilled around too and slipped on the floor. He went back. He knew he had to get eggs out of the refrigerator and with the flour and the oil on the floor. Well, you know what happened. This kind of created some noise. And parents' ears are tuned to two things. Silence and loud noises. If there's a dull hum, it means everything's okay. If there's silence, it means something's going on. If there's loud noises, there's something going on. Well, the noises were heard, and the crash of the eggs were heard, and the father there in the doorway of the kitchen, looking at the scene. And the young boy is laying on the floor, and he looks up and sees Daddy, and bursts, of course, out into tears. The father stops, comes into the room, kneels down. He kneels in the mess and the eggs, and the flour, and the oil, and hugs this child. Do you see the mercy of God here? He kneels down, hugs us in our mess, picks us up, and takes us home. 